Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at No Clutch Nate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Sam. I'm the co-writer and host of the Justice League Universe podcast. So in that one, we are analyzing Batman v Superman, and we're actually finishing it up, uh, going through that movie in quite a bit of detail. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter at Otten Sam. All righty, cool. And today on Man of Steel Minute, we are discussing Minute 47. And Minute starts with Jor-El explaining, basically, now he, in the last minute, he explained Krypton's history on like an incline and now we're talking more about the decline of krypton the the fall of krypton if you mm-hmm. will uh and then the minute ends with uh joel showing kal el uh, a genesis birthing chamber that's on the scout ship um and explaining or about to explain to. yeah yeah what those are used for um it starts with this beautiful shot of this uh liquid geo picture of the world engine so yeah. we get to see what the world engine is because, you know, this is going to play a part later on in the film. So yeah. it's really – this whole minute really is so interesting because they do a very subtle way of the the visuals changing exactly when you need that to aid in what Jor-El is saying. Yeah, I – yeah, absolutely. I mean, I took I took another note like we mentioned in yesterday's minute um, – that we we refer to them as Greco-Roman statues mm-hmm. and everything, and at this point, I feel like it changes into what you know uh, ancient Asian culture used to do, and and their depiction, you know, their pictures, um, yeah, calligraphy, and yeah, stuff. there you go. So like the smoke actually turned into it, it. From my point of view, I got a very Asian style esque, especially from the clouds that are forming. Um, you mentioned it was like an old 1900s kind of everything was was you know on a on a gear kind of turning. Yeah. But these clouds, I really took it a liking to, and um, it goes back to there was uh you know that Nickelodeon show Legend of Korra. There was that episode arc that they went back and and talked about that the origin of the, first, the origin yeah. and that art style that they threw into there was completely different from the uh you know what the original show was going off of and and their previous episodes and everything. And it really had that ancient Asian kind of aspect to it, especially yeah. in the clouds. And that's exactly what I got from the smoke from the world engine that was forming. It very it started to flow more. It didn't seem like it was just, you know, uh, people having simple motions with the arms extending and everything. It turned into something more fluid. Again, calling back mm-hmm. to Liquid Geo, which it just has amazing properties. Yeah, it goes from it, it doesn't tried to be as representational as as possible to like make sure that general zod looks exactly like general zod with each and every crack or like contour Mm -hmm. like they they and i like that the animators did this but they really stylized the visuals yeah they're like all right we're you know it's it's gotta look real but you know let's for storytelling we can style it a bit and i i really enjoy that um it's a big plus for me but yeah i do love throughout this whole minute how it does like if he's talking about uh artificial birthing then there's you know in the background there is the artificial birthing and then if they talk about general zod he's there and if they talk about or like we had to like make a plan or something and you can see that they're putting a baby in a, in a ship and yeah. sending it to earth and it's like very subtle very nice um it can be overlooked easily like the just the 
ingenuity of it. Yeah. Of the scene. So yeah. It's, I, again, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's, it's really it's, good visual storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he said, for 100,000 years, our people flourished. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes back to, now this is just their whole, um, from, this, from the time that they as humans developed, I guess, or yeah. Krypton, Kryptonians. So uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, going back just a, a, a few seconds, um, when he shows the world engine and everything, he does make a mention to say that, you know, shaping environments to our needs. And I, that's, that's kind of messed up in my opinion. Like it's, I mean, like, yeah, if you're a flourishing civilization and you do want to expand, like you do have to take, you know, certain precautions to create a planet for yourself. But again, I'm curious as to if things like, like what General Zod does on earth, if they went to these other planets, were they abandoned and they were just, you know, uh, a template for them to build another Krypton uh, was there other life on these planets? Were they completely destroying it to make it like Krypton? That's still very doesn't make sense. It's it's almost barbaric in a way. It's it's like barbaric in a from a science point of view. You know, it's it's a little messed up. If there's life on the planets, if there's yeah, life on not, the planets, absolutely right. But again, if they just. Yeah, they do. It seems like they do need like at least a little bit of an atmosphere to work from and then to like make it into their own atmosphere. But it also looks like they're pretty particular about what planet it can be because like Zod was going around and, you know, could not find a planet that worked. Yeah. But then he's like, oh, wait, Earth, actually, that one will work. So it seems like it's not just any old planet. It has to have some parameters. So maybe that means that the parameters means, oh, there actually may, might be life on some of them, which then I agree with you that that's kind of disturbing. But if there's planets that have water and they have nitrogen in the atmosphere or something like that, um, and that's all they need and then they can make it, then that's not so barbaric. So it really just depends on what's on the planet yeah, before they get there. It's almost like, but what if what if they're not even giving this planet a chance to, you know, evolve they don't even check yeah to, to, oh, oh yeah oh the future of the yeah planet. to create you know the planet's yeah, own yeah. life like what if they went to earth you know a couple hundred years even before kara even landed on on there and mm-hmm. they didn't have you know homo sapiens or anything like that but there's still war were you know microorganisms cells that were still beginning to form mm-hmm. like that's you're taking away from that <laughs> we're getting into planetary rights here mark yeah. <laughs> they need a prime directive yeah <laughs> no yeah you're right because i was only thinking of like what was there at the time but you're bringing up like that you're also taking away the future of that planet yeah, it could have exactly. maybe developed life just around the corner and is krypton in their own thinking they're so far advanced that you know they have this capability so they're just gonna do it yeah it's like if i uh like if i was a nation and i invaded an island that was just full of deer I would be like, well, this is the spots available. I can take it over. I'm not thinking about the deer, but if there were people on that island, then I go, wait a minute, I can't just invade that island because there's people on it. Now you're questioning, like, at what point is that is another species valuable or like or demands any sort of respect? Exactly. And but it seems like you know Kryptonians were so far advanced and and you know a little bit smarter to this aspect that they would take that into consideration, but probably not. I mean, if Jor El has these conflicting views of you know Kryptonian culture, you know maybe they were all engineered this way to to not give a crap about other species and other life forms on different planets. My question is like, it seems like you're taking planets and you're turning them into another krypton but krypton is you you said krypton's a harsh environment why would you damn another planet 
like shouldn't like i don't know i feel like you would want to just live on that planet the way it is because it's just better like why terraform exactly. it into a terrible uh reincarnate of krypton is yeah. that why maybe they stopped doing it or stopped exploring is that like maybe they were like holy shit we're like krypton's dying we should stop doing this and like stop terraforming and just go back and like figure ourselves out Kinda. I mean, you get a little bit of a call to it later on in the movie when General Zod goes to the scout ship and he's having the you know famous argument with the ghost of Jor El. Um, he does. Jor El does mention that Kryptonians and humans can exist on Earth together in tandem, and then Zod snaps back with a um, with a, and what have them have have Kryptonians suffer for years, much like you did to your son, and it's like they. Maybe they just didn't even think about it. Maybe they were so, you know, nose up to the air about Kryptonian culture and themselves that mm-hmm. they just didn't want to have to go through this, uh, you know, change of body and, and change of atmosphere and years of suffering and pain, much like what Clark went through. Again, that just calls back to him being the ultimate, you yeah, know, because, last uh, son of Kryptonian. He, Zod thinks humans are beneath in- Kryptonian. Inferior. Yeah, yeah, they're inferior. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what you what you, I feel like what you were saying like when you go to a planet like you're killing off future of uh, species and stuff just because you deem them inferior. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it just it's, there's so many callbacks to especially like Roman mythology and Roman stuff like that. Like it's just it's incredible how the storytelling is is changing from from just these little points of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um. The, yeah, I think, too, like with the harsh environment, you know, it's also possible that there are planets with even harsher environments. And so then they terraform it and bring it into just pleasantly harsh instead of like, you know, <laughs> unhabitably harsh or something. So but, yeah, you're right. Like there's this is why the Krypton show is going to be interesting. Like it could be a very imperialistic thing of like they are just going and taking over planets or that's their intention anyway. And they don't care what the life is there because they just stomp on that life and it's in fear to them. So it could be very imperialistic or it could be just very kind of scientific and exploratory of we want to go out to these other planets. And if we find one that's suitable and there's nobody that we're going to be killing and we can just, you know, terraform that planet, then everybody wins, you know. Yeah. Do they? Does everybody win? I don't know. It's like from, <laughs> from what we're explaining, we're we're deeming the Kryptonians the bad guys, and I'm not necessarily sure that's you know yeah. we're, we're wrong on that aspect. Yeah, we shouldn't be thinking as Kryptonians as bad people because you can't generalize a whole planet, existent race, yeah. fictional <laughs> race. <laughs> and Jor El, like so, Jor El, he when he says for a hundred thousand years, you know, it flourished, Kryptonian culture flourished. He seems to really have pride when he says that. Like it's kind of like he is proud of some Kryptonian heritage, but then he thinks that it lost his way, which is what he talks about in like the rest of the minute. But also Jor-El to me seems like he is, you know, a supporter of the expansion thing, which to me means it must not be a totally cruel, like totally stomp them down kind of thing. And that's why Jor-El conflicts with Zod, right? Because Zod is sort of like, if we need the planet, let's take it. And Jor-El is sort of like, no, let's like find a way to live with this life form or like, you know, let's use exploration as a way to preserve and save our culture. Jor-El does not seem to be doing it in like a stomping it, like ruin the planet type of way. And because Jor-El seems to have positive feelings toward the whole program of space exploration, I think it must not have been entirely the bad, like maniacal kind of version. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jor-El does Frankenstein, you know, extinct beast. So but, he, yeah, he, yeah. he is he is still kind <laughs> yeah. of a messed up guy. 
Yeah, he's not perfect. He's got one of those coexist bumper stickers somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and he also like didn't allow his wife to have her consciousness uploaded, uh, you know, along with his. That kind of yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah. So he's got some flaws as well. Again, <laughs> just more questions. That's what it is. They they're just like us. Because I think the whole human race is 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 bad. Is flawed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you're like we can't just say the whole Kryptonian races are bad people. I, I, we are. We, yeah. I mean, we yeah. we can definitely. Um, get better at some things <laughs> yeah absolutely but we can compare ourselves to kryptonians in many 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 ways and i think that's what um uh schuster and siegel were, were trying to go for way way early on especially you know when they were creating the character at the in this wartime you know they're seeing the aspects of of what man can do and the destruction that they make so they create this fictional alien race that is so far advanced they're taking it a few steps you know they're taking it more yeah they're just they're just bad <laughs> was that when they first developed the the history of krypton back in the in the 30s late 30s but it was really the 40s right then yeah there. i mean well it's it's the, the big, fight during like in the, the big point is that it was after the great war and that was you know we're, we're gonna we see it later on especially it plays a big part in in a lot of dc uh universe comics and, and storytelling but you know that great war is constantly was supposed to be the war to end all wars but it also showed the worst of the worst out of humanity and at the time you couldn't think the world could get worse um you know, as we move forward in time, it, it obviously does. But again, these are characters that lived through, uh, or yeah, not characters. These are people. These are men that created this this fictional universe that have just come out of that brutal, incredible war, and they're relating it to this fictional universe that they're creating. So it's so you almost. you think it did play a part? In yeah, the whole... absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That was my question. Um. Yeah. I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but yeah, no, no, it, no, it played that, a part, man, and explains it. It shows it's it's almost like they were taking the 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 better parts of humanity and forming them into this um, science fiction culture of Krypton, but then again, those good parts of humanity forming into this uh, culture has to have its downfalls, and I think they start to you know when they get into the mindset of oh, they're thousands of years advanced to us. What would their culture be like? Would it be more destruction because we've seen humans go through a war or would they be more peaceful? Not. We don't really get to see a story where Kryptonians are really that peaceful. Yeah, they can be peaceful within themselves. Yeah, Jor-El says that they flourished for thousands of years, but still, it seems like... The more they advanced have a... you get, the more destructive you get. Exactly. It, it seems like there's always that laying, you know, that shadow is just right behind you, especially with Kryptonians. They're they're not the best. They're not the bright, uh, brightest star in the galaxy. They're they're a dying race that they've doomed themselves, and it's it relates to humanity in so many different ways. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I, I guess I never really thought about it, but yeah, I was thinking, like, wait a minute. This... These books came out at a very crucial time in human history mm -hmm. uh, with two world wars. Uh, so I was like, so maybe the whole destruction of Krypton is was meant to be uh, reflective of our culture. So Yeah. Um, interesting. 
And I think it's a good update then, right? Like, so the update for this is to really make it about the natural resources and like the fact that they mined their own planet all the way down for the resources, including down to the core. And so like, that's a very, to me, 21st century way of thinking about like, in what ways can you ruin your own planet? Um, So I think, you know, in before it it might've had a different thing that was ruinous. And this time they really tried to emphasize and have Krypton all carved up because they were mining it so vigorously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then, so they say that what happened to it and, you know, they had to stop exploring the planet was dying, used up all natural resources. They started artificial population, uh, population control. control. Yeah. But then I think the order, I think the order of those is important because you kind of like, uh, switched it a little bit. So like the way that I heard it, I think this is right. Is he said, we were in an era of expansion. We were exploring space. We sent out all these ships. Mm Mm-hmm. And we flourished for 100,000 years. So to me, that's all the good part, kind of like you said. Yeah. Um, and then Clark asks what happened, because he kind of knows that, like, uh, something must have gone wrong. Like, that's not the end of the story, that they just flourished for 100,000 years. And then he says they introduced artificial population control. They stopped the space exploration. And then they exhausted the, n- the natural resources, like, later in the future. Okay. So, like... To me, I actually don't think that the space exploration had anything to do with the fact that they were running out of natural resources. I think the space exploration was a culture that was thriving and they were pushing their boundaries and they were going out and seeing, testing their limits of like what they can do. And then I think fast forward to a different era, there's artificial populations controls. They're not exploring anymore. Uh, they're kind of looking more inward at like, oh, we're going to now actually like fine tune ourselves and our like purposes. And we're going to like fine tune our society instead of like pushing our boundaries out. And then I think the exhaustion of the natural resources is the last thing he says that happens like later. Okay. Yeah. So is the artificial population control the issue? Is that the downfall? I think Jor-El views it as that was a big wrong turn for this civilization, I think, yeah. is in Jor-El's mind. I mean, essentially, they're creating obedient robots, well, and they just yeah. keep creating them. They're, they're manufacturing these Kryptonians that are preordained with a duty, with a job, with a role in their society, and they're not even giving them free range of, of anything. So these this, be, this culture doesn't have you know, like he says in the later minutes, they don't have that free choice. So they doom themselves uh, in this whole mess of a society. Um, but is population control the problem? Is is it a greater problem than exhausting their natural resources? I think they're on the same exact level. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're equally as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what's going on, like, in my eyes, like, you're killing the romanticism of being able to be having your own independent thoughts and creating stuff like that romanticism dies with artificial population control whatever yeah um Mm -hmm. and now the world takes on a more imperialistic view everything is black and white machine cut like you know there's no yeah there's no romanticism there's nothing there's no Mm -hmm. chaos that you know the beauty of chaos the ability to explore and like for people to grow up to have their own choice of will so yeah again it just calls back to you know humans and after a giant war they they just needed factory workers well it's they, like they it's needed a, mm-hmm. it's, they, yeah. it's the uh it's the balance between freedom and peace slash security you know like 
it's an escape from freedom thing. Like, do you want more freedom in your life or do you want peace and security? And you can't have both. It's their opposite ends. Like you give up some of your freedom, but you get security and you know, like you live safe, healthy <laughs> lives or like yeah. freedom, like allows you to make bad decisions, but you know, that's the glory of being free. So that's, I think, they really just wanted, I don't know. I don't are, are Kryptonians just so far gone that they just can't learn from their mistakes anymore? Uh, I don't know. They def- I think they definitely are by the end, like in that council scene. Yeah. Like, they're still going through their motions of the stuff when everything's crumbling around them. So at that point, yeah, pretty like, bad. If you're being artificially procreated, then doesn't that mean like you can't be wrong in those views because you're programmed to not? Yeah, but who's doing the programming? You got me, man. <laughs> Some people are programmed to be the programmers. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, like, uh, to well, me, the way I'm kind of thinking about it now through this conversation is, and this is really like the clearest it's ever been for me, even though I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. But I think that the artificial population control was the death of the soul of Krypton. Yeah. Exactly. And then I think that what followed was the death of the body. Like, the death of the planet itself was inevitable because they had already killed their soul. Boom. Write it in a book. I like it. Sell it. Yeah. There you go. We, f- we figured it out. It's, Min- it's, I mean, it's... it's <laughs> Minute by minute. It's almost mind-blowing to me that, that you can... Uh, that this culture, this fictional culture, this fictional race exists and that, you know, these two guys created this thing and it calls back, uh, and there's so many comparisons to humanity, that why mm-hmm. isn't this... Uh, why isn't this more more prominent they don't in our fight, everyday life? They don't fight in an airport, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, um, but yeah, like it's just if, this this whole culture was created, you know, back in the 30s and 40s, where it relates to us even today in the you know the 21st century, mm-hmm. where it's it's it needs to be more prominent. Uh, <laughs> we need to make we yeah. need to make signs. Remember Krypton. <laughs> well, are there are there what? Krypton books? Are there like yeah? Okay, well, like is there just wait? I mean, like there's like, I don't want... graphic novels, regular yeah, novels. Yeah, I'm not talking about like oh, find me a Superman story where like the first ten pages are about Krypton. Like, is there? Yeah, absolutely. Books? I mean, you go back to like um, Nightwing and Flamebird and all the things that happened on Kandor and yada yada yada, and when Brainiac first encountered Kryptonians and all that stuff. But yeah, there, there's definitely books about that but i don't think they touch on these aspects that we're you know breaking into right now yeah i feel like with man of steel uh it's to me one of the most meaningful versions of krypton i haven't read all of them for sure but you know of the ones i've seen this one is the one where to me it kind of rises to like the level of art because it does speak to our actual world in really important ways and that's what art does i think you yeah know, it's not just enter- entertainment it's really, you know, we can spend this much time talking about it and, and thinking about what it means for our life or what's happening in our country or our world right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, We're visionaries, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, so let's see. It says, uh, here's, an, here's an issue I have with this story, though. So he, he starts to explain who General Zod is. Um, mm-hmm. And he's having, you know, this basically trying to tell us as well as Kal-El that, you know, this General Zod guy, not 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 a cool cat, you, you know, he staged a coup, he basic he basically made General General Zod look like the poster boy of the downfall of Krypton. Yeah. Uh and I don't like that because like one, they were friends, they have a history together. 
Um, but another thing I don't like about it is there's no... This makes General Zod feel a bit static now. Because now Superman will always just be like, General Zod's a bad person. I gotta fight this bad person. Like, there's never gonna be this thing where he meets General Zod and goes, can I trust this guy? You're a Kryptonian, I'm a Kryptonian, yeah. maybe we're... Yeah, yeah absolutely. this just kind of like... Nope, that dude's bad. Just, you know, be a bad dude. And yeah. then he meets him, and he's like, oh, you're the bad dude my dad told me about. And it's just kind of like it, it ruins any chance for there to be almost an intricate relationship. So, so like when Zod later is trying to convince Superman to join him, you kind of already know that it's not going to work because, of course, Superman's not going to believe Zod. Yeah, because yeah, his dad already told him. I think there's a bigger story that can be written uh, from the two characters' points of view, um, especially Jor-El and Zod. And, I mean, exactly, you're, you're already labeling Zod as the bad guy, but what if he wasn't? What if you saw him from Feora's eyes? What if you saw him from the Law Council's eyes before the whole coup? Because like, it's it, not... It's a bigger story that I wish was explained. Yeah, it's not until the very end of Man of Steel where... Um, crypt, or General Zod has like his little monologue or thing, his yeah. little iconic speech about like this is what he was programmed to do was to further Krypton, and now there is no future, and, yeah. or like there is no Krypton, uh, and that's too late in absolutely. the game, absolutely. For me to, st- I mean, I care about General Zod and I like him, mm-hmm. but for a general audience, it's too late. Like what now? Mm-hmm. Now you got me thinking. Maybe this dude. Not, and, not so bad. Yeah, but it's, like, yeah, absolutely. And especially, I mean, if you want to, no, I can't jump ahead. I got a lot to say yeah. about that. <laughs> That's a really good well, turning point, especially for the character. And I think it's supposed to. It almost makes it seem like that whole sequence was shot before a lot of the other things, because that's like where the character, like, mm. ultimately turns all bad, all evil. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very pivotal thing. We'll get into that. Yeah, I think I basically think you make some good points. Um, the one thing that I would just add, like a little bit of nuance to it, is that um, Jor-El says that General Zod was too late when he like does the coup. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that it was like evil or really bad that he did the coup. He said it's he. I think he like literally says too late. So to me, the phrase "too late" means that actually Zod was right that we needed to change something. We needed to, like, get some upheaval of the leadership of Krypton because Krypton was letting itself be destroyed right in front of everybody's eyes, or at least Jor-El knew that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I th- the way I took it was, like, Zod was kind of right to throw out the leadership because the leadership was on its way to doom, but he was too late in doing it. So, like, it gives a little bit of, like, a, he's not entirely horrible bad and it wasn't the coup that was the thing that destroyed the planet it was the you know harvesting of the core that was destroying the planet yeah and zod was too late in trying to do something about it and maybe zod was too violent and that wasn't the right approach but it to me there's a little bit of nuance there because of that too late idea yeah now where is the story where jor-el and lara don't have a natural born child and they don't need to take the the steps to to save him and send him to earth Where's the story where Jor-El joins that cause that Zod is after? So you're, uh, yeah, I think we talked about this a long time ago. Like, we didn't know what the end game was for General Zod if he won, right? Yeah. So what happens if he had got his way? But even if you take out Baby Cal out of that entire equation and Jor-El, this, you know, great 
scientist is now on the side of let's change Krypton. Again, he said it was too late, but then like that, like you said, that too late definitely plays a bigger role. And if you take out the birth of Cal, what could it, was it still too late? Could they have done something to change it? Would they have done something earlier instead of, you know, wasting their time having sex with each other? I think they to would make have, a natural birth. I like, think they would have colonized. Her. It took them a while to figure it out, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I think they would have. I think they would have went. They would have start the colonization again. They, yeah, they would have had to leave the planet. Because you know, Jor-El doesn't want to be on that planet. No, I mean the whole spaceship was a prototype. Uh, so he would have gone and tried to find one of the scout ships and tried to get it reactivated or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, they would have definitely used the Phantom Drive in a larger spectrum well, instead of just... because, like, General Zod is lucky that he did lose so that he got on the Black Zero and got off the planet. Yes. Because he would have stayed on the planet to try and, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, save it, and it would have blown up and, you know... But mm-hmm. because he was in prison and sent off the planet, very lucky guy, planet explodes, he's still alive. Yeah. So if he was working with Jor-El, Jor-El would have been like, yo, I'm telling you right now, planet's going down we got to get out and then them being buddies general zod would be like you know what you're right we can go start a new krypton somewhere else i think i mean yeah i I think that is probably where they were going because you know zod does go to look for the other colonial outposts later on that we learn in the movie um what if he found one what if there was one that uh, was existing yeah because uh when uh general zod is being sentenced to this psychosomatic whatever yeah he yells uh, Jor-El was Jor-El right, was right. yeah one of my favorite lines of the yeah, movie like he, fools. yeah it's uh, that's i want that story where the where you know Kal-El, team up kal-el isn't even born he's <laughs> not even a thing the team up of Jor-El and general zod <laughs> mm-hmm. like i'm saying we're missing like a, a greater story here a scary story that's fan fiction <laughs> man <laughs> So I had a question for you guys. So he's uh, Jorel says like your mother and I assured your survival, and like it kind of sounded like Lara and Jorel were like the only ones that were c- trying to do something. And, like, do you think that they were literally the only two people on Krypton who knew or who believed that the planet was going to explode? Yeah, yeah. I don't think any. So he couldn't convince even like a lab assistant or like you know. It seems like a scientist would have at least some other friends or somebody who he could convince. It almost seems like there were no more scientists. Like, almost, I don't know. Like, or maybe they're not, uh, or maybe, maybe Jor-El was like a, a malfunctioning scientist, which, uh, like, let him be crazy. Oh, he, he had a little bit more creativity or thinking outside of the box yeah. than he was supposed to, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, then it has to call back to why was Lara so, you know, okay with all this craziness from Jor-El? Did he, somehow in his mind able to open it up and in turn he you know was able to to open Lara's mind up as well I have that question for tomorrow's minute where it's it it relates to Mm -hmm. to other things but yeah but yeah it's it's definitely these are these are really big questions that and are so overlooked and it's yeah I do I guess I and for the movie, I think that, I mean, they can really only fit in two of them. So, yeah. that, like, in terms of putting the movie together, that's all they could do. I was just kind of curious, you know, like, if we did delve into Krypton more, if there were some other people who were, like, Jor-El believers, but they didn't have any clout, you know, to do anything about yeah, it. I yeah, think, I think, I don't think anyone really knew the planet was going to explode. Well, no, or, I mean, they're all mm-hmm. tunnel vision into what they're programmed to do. Wake up, go to work, yeah. go home. Right. Like, planet, like... It's like our planet could be dying much quicker than we're told 
to believe and it could that's happen. true like yeah like our epa chief now is like saying oh yeah the carbon dioxide don't worry about that yeah. it's like so we we might literally be doing exactly what we're thinking is like <laughs> so outlandish for krypton to have done exactly yeah. Box these recordings up and send them to the White House. Someone needs to listen. <laughs> no one's going to listen to <laughs> uh, um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, I think besides that, that kind of wraps up the, the the visual story, and then it leads into the Genesis Chamber bit, right? No, you are missing a big, big detail. Which one? Um, it shows the rocket ship and the illustration of the actual, you know, it shows the, the symbol of House of L on this rocket, but the design of that liquid geo is a callback to Superman the movie when he's in this little crystal ball flying away. It has, you know, it looks like a star. Spikes if you look sticking at it. out. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah the spikes, the crystals. This is like, again, we, we've said that there's no crystals that we've seen on this Krypton. Mm-hmm. This is that callback to it. And they also bring it up in, they, they illustrate the ship a little bit, kind of like that in the Birthright comic. Um, it does have the spikes on it. It's like this, you know, it shows a top down. It looks like a ball with spikes coming off of it and everything. But I think... Ultimately, the design of that ship that we saw in the Liquid Geo was a callback to Superman the movie. Cool. Yeah, I think it definitely was because they had to go through all the work of animating in the spikes, and the spikes were not on the real ship. So they were put in as just an extra detail for this little moment. And I'm very convinced that that was a nod to the Superman the movie. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I always thought that when I saw this movie uh, way back when. It was like, oh, snap, there's the ship. It's cool. Hell yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's all I got. Then it just goes into the uh, Genesis Chamber. Yeah, the the Genesis Chamber tour. <laughs> uh, next stop, where we're gonna be checking out the Genesis Chamber. If you need a bathroom, it's to your right. Don't uh, touch the walls or the ceiling, <laughs> or they will have to be washed and sterilized. Don't forget, it's a free tour, but we do need donations to stay open. <laughs> so I had a question about this Genesis Chamber. So this. Like, this is the first time we're seeing basically a mobile Genesis Chamber because I thought previously that Genesis Chamber was just like this one thing on Candor, but apparently there can be some on scout ships. Yeah. Um, and because on Candor there was that skull that was the growth codex, and like, does this one need another part of whatever that person is? And oh, this goes back to the other parts. Yeah, the little, little yeah. body of Christ thing. Like, does this need its own <laughs> powered? codex thing um i don't i don't think so i don't see like and now if if we go into later on minutes um when uh who is i believe jacks Ur is a scientist for for zod he goes into saying that that you know um jor-el binded the codex within his cells it's not like Mm -hmm. they could find old scout ships that had you know a femur or a tooth of this this being that they use the codex for. So it seems like the growth codex was only this one, one object and, and it was dispersed uh, in, you know, in, at a molecular level into these thousands of scout ships. Interesting. And this also like um, makes me try to run through the timeline again. So if the Genesis chambers are on the scout ships, then that means they already had Genesis chambers even back in the era of flourishing. Yeah. And then, so the artificial population controls, if that really did come later, which I think it does based on Jarrell's narration, mm-hmm. um, then it seems like maybe there's like, maybe they had the technology to help a fetus grow, but they didn't yet control all of its genetics and like make it into a certain kind of person until later. Yeah, they didn't have the, the programming aspect yet. 
Exactly. Yeah. Like the engineering of the actual genes. So like, so this, these portable ones, they help fetuses come, you know, to then be born and then live. But later it was the codex and the, we are, we are literally programming all of them to be exactly what we want them to be. Yeah. Or maybe this Genesis, maybe the scout ship came after the artificial, uh, control. Like maybe... Yeah, then that just means Jor-El's narration, he kind of messed up the chronology a little yeah. bit. Because, like, I mean, so it, it's the way that I took it and the order that he said it, he said these scout ships were during that era of, like, flourishing earlier. Yeah. And then he said the artificial control is, like, uh, artificial population control is, like, what sent them down the wrong path. I've, I took that to be chron- chronologically Would, after yes. the scout ships. I think it is, because um, in the prequel comic, Kara is uh, assigned to one of the scout ships that... You know, there's there's thousands of them that go off into the void, as Jorel says, and I think, like like we said, the the population control came afterwards, and the programming came afterwards. So I believe that this gen- these Genesis chambers on the scout ships were just to create other Kryptonians that were still free thinkers and were just you know able to colonize these other planets, able to. No, see, but then it seems like they would have to program them to to be the roles that they needed to be. It's not yeah, like they're just also see, like so. Isn't Arkara and Jorel like also programmed? Like Zod is programmed, so that would mean that the programming happened even before the prequel comic. Yeah, is that right or not? No, yeah, so, it seems it's this is where I think things get muddy. Um, yeah, so now it seems like the artificial population control is like way way back. If it had to, if Jor-El was already population controlled, and yeah. so was Zod and everybody else, so now it just—it's either that uh, it's kind of a mistake in like the writing of it, or it's that uh, the population control was happening way before, and so Jor-El kind of blaming it later. It's like, wait, but Jor-El, the population control was happening before that. It's kind of like he's maybe he's an unreliable narrator in the story when he's telling it to Clark. Like, maybe in Jor-El's mind, the population control is the villain. It's the problem. And so when he tells the narration, he tells it as, yeah, that population control, that was the thing that really set us down the wrong path. But that's sort of just Jor-El's version of the history, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. That's what I think. Because um, I think maybe there was a gray period between, like, the age of exploration and then the artificial... Um, Damn, I can never remember it. Artificial population control. Like maybe there was a gray period where they were like, "All right, we're gonna start implementing this new population control, um, but we're gonna start slowing down on the exploration stuff." And that scout ship is the like right during that that time. Oh, you, so you think it happens like right there? Because like, I think this scout ship, yeah, left. this scout ship is like one of the last yeah. ones. To, to go out, in my opinion. I think it was the last... Yeah. Um, well, in the prequel coming, it shows that there was thousands of them. Kara was assigned to one of thousands. So it seems like that was the last mm-hmm. wave of them. Yeah. And I think that in terms of the chronology, I think the most important thing is that the uh, exhaustion of all the natural resources, that is definitely last. Like, that is after both the exploration and the population control. And then... Fast forward a little bit, and then that's when, oh, crap, we have actually exhausted everything, even our core. You know, our core is becoming unstable. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing that I think is very definitive in the chronology is that the the exploration was before they were too worried about their planet actually entirely running out of everything. Yeah. Yep. I think that's definitely the last part of it. Yeah. Like, that's the final uh, pillar was that, mm-hmm. all right, now we've just killed all our resources, so now we've damned ourselves um 
God, how crazy will it be if that's what our what we're destined to do? But well, someone's gonna call back and be like, "Did you ever see Man of Steel?" <laughs> <laughs> I think Rotten Tomatoes is gonna have to print a retraction, like if uh, that ends up happening, and be like, "Man of Steel knew." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were right. <laughs> Someone cryogenically freezes Snyder and Goyer. <laughs> Goyer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you don't think there were babies in this chamber? Is uh, no is it empty. Yeah, they're empty. I mean, they have. Yeah, we talked about it before recording a little bit, but but yeah, there's no no fetuses. Um, I think the ship themselves, uh, the ships themselves, and the Genesis Chamber already have these means, this material to create life. Um, not mm-hmm. with any codex or not with anything, but there's no babies in these vine-like pods. No babies now. That, no babies ever. They never got to use it. I think I think they needed... It probably was someone's role on the scout ships where they needed Kryptonian DNA to get thrown into it, much like how we see it mm-hmm. in Dawn of Justice, where Alexander Luthor has to, to create this you know, being with Kryptonian DNA as well as human DNA. But if it was mm-hmm. only Kryptonian DNA, it would not have cause for uh, Bertram's curse. Yeah, I took it to be the same way. Like I took it to be that these pods are places where you can, you know, have a fetus develop and then become a baby. But I did not take it to be that there were actually fetuses in them, and I don't think it's ever shown or confirmed that there are fetuses in them. So I think in the absence of like definitive evidence that they are in there, I think it's safer to assume that they're just pods for fetuses that they're not actually a collection of fetuses hanging out there for thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think you needed a initial host DNA to create the life. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that when Kara landed, that there were no babies ready to to you know ready to pop. Yeah, to be delivered. No. So because then that raises because that would raise more questions. Being that Kara and Devon weren't the only people to, to live, but maybe a, there was a baby that gets born, but then it would have died unless the little space droid uh, helped it live. I don't know. We'll ignore all that. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. exist. Uh, but then that's all I got for this minute. Yeah, that's, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's good. good. Sounds good. Awesome. Uh, cool. Let's go ahead and wrap up, guys. If you love what you hear, please leave us a great review. Please subscribe to us. Uh, tell your friends about it. Tell your mother about it. Uh, tell your mom said hi. Uh, <laughs> and then check back tomorrow for another episode of DC Cinematic Minute.